We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to Building the Broncos with Nick Kendall and Carl Dummler, Broncos Country's leading draft and scouting analysts. Get on over to milehighhuddle.com to sound off on all things Broncos. Doing good, man. Um, excited to be here. It's been a while since you and I got to ch- uh, chop it up on your own show. Anyway. Um, but uh, since the draft, you and I have actually not been able to be face-to-face. So it's good to see you again, man. Thanks for having me. I'm glad I could be able to join you. Doing doing really good. Just uh, uh, celebrated my first wedding anniversary this last weekend on Sunday. So that was that was a lot of fun. Um, and yeah, just enjoying summer, new summer with the kids, uh, and getting ready to, uh, go summer scouting. I'm going to do a lot of summer scouting this year. I want to get, I want to get 250. I, I got 183 this last year. I want to get 250 if I can. Well, that would be quite the task to take on. Uh, if anybody's ever done any kind of watching of, of film and watching of all these college kids, it's, it's quite the task to take on for sure. So, mm-hmm. uh, mile high huddle. That's why this is the place to be when it comes draft time, for sure, because we got lots and lots of guys watching these players quite a bit. So, um, but anyway, we're past the draft. We're what a month now, getting close to I guess a little over a month, two months from training camp. We got OTAs happening. Uh, got a lot of things going on with the Broncos, and and to, today I wanted to we're going to get into a great conversation between Jerry Judy and the old. Broncos wide receiver, yes, wide receiver Brandon Marshall, not linebacker Brandon Marshall. And so they had quite the the candid conversation. Two guys that like really don't care about what anybody else thinks about what they say. They're not really thinking through, okay, how's this going to make this the team look or anything like that. Both of them are pretty much just, hey, I'm going to answer the question as honestly as possible. So excited to get to that. But before we do, wanted to get to all of our, our listeners here today and just say hello to everybody. Of course, got Dylan Von Arks coming in saying, Sup's Bronco Country. Make sure you hit the like button on the way in. Share on all platforms and subscribe if you haven't already. Dylan always doing a great job reminding everybody what uh, what we really appreciate. You can guys go out there, do that, share that, like it, subscribe. Helps us big time to get everything out there. And then we got Kevin Gray coming in saying, What's up, Dylan, Nick, Carl, and Scott? Big mile high salute to Broncos Country, Denver Broncos for life, MHH for life. Appreciate seeing you here, Kevin. And of course, we got Mike S. We're talking about an Alabama wide receiver. Got to have the Alabama fan in here saying, "What's up, right. Carl, Lance, Scott, Dylan, and Broncos country?" And we got Jesse coming in saying, "Good evening, everyone." And then we got David Mc. 
McGrath, McLaugh, <laughs> there we go, McGrath, uh, coming in saying uh, with a $5 super chat saying, good evening, Broncos country, Nick, Carl, Dylan, and Deacon Scott, hashtag Buckham, hashtag MHH for life, hashtag Denver Broncos for life. Good to see you here, David. Thanks, and man. we got De uh, Jesse coming in saying 103 days isn't too bad when you realize we're 142 days since the end of whatever that was last year. Talking about 103 days till opening of, of uh, Broncos season. So, yes, we're, we're past the midpoint. We're, we're getting there. Hopefully we can forget all these bad memories of the last seven years. Yeah, it's, it's been, a, been a nightmare. It, it's been rough, man. It's been rough. And hello to everybody. And and I'm getting a lot of, uh, you know, well wishes in the chat from everybody wishing me a happy anniversary. Thank you all for, for that. Uh, my wife and I definitely appreciate that. It was, it was a great day, uh, a great day down in the park um, in Spokane. Um, we uh, were in Spokane, Washington this last weekend. Um, went, had a good seafood and dinner, but uh, back to the Broncos here. Um, yeah. 103 days isn't too bad when you're 142 days since the end of whatever that was last year. Yes, absolutely. Um, we're going to kind of relive a little bit of that tonight talking about Jerry Judy and and maybe not even just the last what last season last couple of seasons you know it it's he's he's had the injury concerns he's had some drop concerns he's the the inconsistency with his play the off-field issues as well so it, it's it, it's going to be interesting to hear a lot of what he said I, I didn't get a chance to hear the entire interview but I did get a chance to read the cliff notes of everything of what he said so I'm excited to jump into this man yeah yeah for sure but before we get to that, Dominic coming in saying, Broncos family, what's up? I'm on the wait for this season like the rest of y'all. I just hope it's worth the wait. A little jet lag from last season, MHH for life. I hope Judy has an amazing season, FYI. Yeah, uh, I saw Bucky Brooks, I think it was putting out his um, all kind of like up and coming, um, you know, who's going to be the players that really emerge in, the, in, the, or in this season, and Jerry Judy. Top of his wide receiver list of guys that, that should emerge. Brandon Marshall talking about him. Uh, one of the questions he asked Jerry Judy, he said, hey, you have talent to be a top five wide receiver in the NFL. Why are you not a top five wide receiver? And so we'll, we'll talk about that and how Jerry answered that question. Um, but uh, before we get to that again, we'll get into a few more comments here. Uh, let's see. We got Zach Powers saying, afternoon, fellas. Gary Palmer, always good to see you here, saying good evening, Broncos country. Love you all. And Kyle Olson saying, I love that the Raiders might not have a starting quarterback and we took their backup. Yeah, there's there's a chance uh, Jimmy G had foot surgery, and I know he's going to miss the entire offseason workouts. They said maybe not even ready for training camp. We'll see about week one. So uh, <laughs> quite the interesting predicament that they're finding themselves in. They're realizing maybe getting rid of Derek Carr was not the problem. You know, I saw a stat earlier that said uh, the Raiders are number one since 2013 in points allowed. That's not a quarterback stat. That's a defense stat. They've had the worst defense since 2013 when it comes to, to giving up points. And so, um, again, it's going to be interesting to see them life after Derek Carr. And, of course, we got Michaela coming in saying, good evening, Broncos country. Always good to see you there, Michaela. And let's see, we got Ernie Mays, been here since the very beginning, saying, hello, Lance and Carl, go Broncos country only. Always love to see you there. And we got Lawrence Rivera saying, what up, guys? Congrats on the anniversary and take me with you on scouting. There you go. Lance, you got a partner. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a draft. 
Ag, man, I tell you what, you, when you watch a lot of film like that, it and every single day you grind the tape and you try to figure out, you know, uh, what player is what. You got to, you know, do the research behind the scenes. It's not just watching the tape. It's going, trying to find as much sourcing as you can and understanding who the person is a little bit, understand what they do, you know, uh, behind the scenes on the whiteboard and everything. It's 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 difficult. It's a lot of work, man. And this year, like I said, I, I want to get to 250 this year. So I'm going to do a lot of summer scouting, get a bunch of notes and then kind of do a, a rerun of everybody over the summer. And then I won't have to watch five games, you know, at the, uh, in April of a guy, I'll already at least have some notes, go watch a couple of games, re- reaffirm what I've saw, what I saw over the summer and, uh, just revamp this process again. And I, I think that, um, uh, Listening to some guys, uh, Joe Marino, uh, Kyle Krabs, guys like Tre- Trevor Sikama, Connor Rogers over at PFF. Uh, those guys do a really good job. I look up to those guys a lot, and uh, they they are very big into summer scouting. So that's my that's my big prerogative this year. I'm taking a couple more days, a uh, little bit of a vacation for myself, but uh, we're going to get to work here soon. So Lawrence, if you're if you're willing, man, hit me up. You know where I'm at 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 Lance S underscore MHH on Twitter, and I'll take you along for the ride. Yeah, and we have Harold. Asking a question here, you already scout before they declare for the draft? Yes. Yes. It, you yeah, you have to. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I was about to say. If you're waiting until they declare, you're way behind the game at that point. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, I, I don't know if you do this. I, I usually try to start a lot of times with uh, the seniors, the guys that are most likely going to declare. I know it's been a little bit weird with this whole COVID year where everybody got an extra year of eligibility. So even seniors could stay for an extra year. But um, but beyond that, like I said, I kind of start with those guys that like it's 95% sure that they're going to be in the draft. And then I kind of go from there of other guys that it looks like they're going to make it. And if they don't, like even if they don't declare, at least you've got a good head start on the next year on those guys. Exactly. Like that's, that's the big thing is obviously the seniors, the juniors, a lot of the juniors that you'll see um, the underclassmen that, you know, are going to be good guys, guys like Will Anderson, um, uh, Paris Johnson Jr., guys like that, that that you know are going to be. Obviously, you want to watch those guys, Um, guys that are getting a whole whole lot of hype from the 2023 cycle that are going into 2024. Um, 
like Olu Fashanu, uh, the the left tackle from Penn State. That's a guy I really have my eyes on this year. I want to see how much he grows moving forward in his football career, which is still a very young career for him. So, but yes, you do have to start watching these guys before they declare for the draft because you've got to get an idea of who these people are, like what what kind of players you have. And again, like Carl said, you might find a guy that is just killing it as a as a redshirt freshman or maybe a redshirt sophomore who's not quite ready to declare, and you've got a a, a a heads up advantage and a step up on the the next upcoming draft cycle when they do finally declare. So yeah, you, you start watching tape from 2022 over again for, or, or 2023, I guess, uh, no, wait, 2022 to go into through summer 2023. And then for the 2024 draft cycle, you have a baseline of notes and evaluations on who you're actually looking for. So this year I'm going to get a big baseline of that done in July and August. Yeah. All right, we got Zach Powers saying Russ was ranked number 14 on Chris Sims' quarterback list going into the season. Do you guys agree? I think that's a very I think that's a very pro Sean Payton ranking right there. Uh, because I mean, if we're looking at last year, Russ, <clears throat> he probably ranks what 25th through 27th, somewhere in there when it comes to, to quarterback play. And uh, so Chris Sims having him there, I think he views that as a Hackett was not a great coordinator for the Broncos that did not have a great offense. Obviously things were kind of chaotic with how the team was running. Um, and so he's kind of viewing it as, okay, he's got good coaching. He's got a lot better, you know, offensive line play in front of him. That means he's going to have a better season. So yeah, I, I'd probably put him, I'd put him a little bit lower just because I need to see it to believe it. Last year left such a bad taste in my mouth that I, I just, it's hard for me to believe that he's going to have that big of a jump back up. So I'd probably have him in the 16 to 17 range, but number 14, I'll take that from Chris Sims. Well, I'll take it from Chris Sims. I think that by the end of the season, it's it's going to be a lot better than that. I, I really do. I, I put this out on uh, Dove Valley Deep Divers with Chad uh, a couple weeks ago. I'm like the mighty, mighty boss tones. If you guys know anything about music at all, you'll get this reference. I've never had to knock on wood. I know someone who has, and it probably isn't good. But uh, I like the mighty, mighty boss tones. I'm not knocking on wood on this one. I think Sean Payton's going to turn this season around for Russell for Russell Wilson. And 14 is actually a lot higher than pro football focus. I actually have it pulled up here. I'm glad we uh, kind of talked about this earlier. Um, so – Pro Football Focus put out their projections for this upcoming season. They have the Broncos, they have Russell Wilson ranked at 20, so even six spots further down. And they said, quote, uh, Russell Wilson ranked 26th in PFF passing grade last season and 29th in overall grade. It's difficult to overstate how bad his first year in Denver was and how much uncertainty that paints his future in. Sean Payton has been brought in to make the best of a disastrous situation, but exactly where Wilson can land on the spectrum between last season and his best season play in Seattle is pure guesswork. Given his visible decline in athleticism, it seems likely that his baseline is closer to last year than his peak, but the player that he is has a wide array of outcomes. I, I, I tend to lean more towards the Chris Sims side of this argument because there was something in there that PFF said specifically about the decline in athleticism. And Carl, I know that I guess I have a question for you on this one. Russell Wilson, obviously this season has dropped visibly noticeable pounds, probably around the 20 pounds area. Last season, he came into, into camp definitely overweight, potentially out of shape based on what his conditioning looked like. And he didn't have that explosive athleticism. 
Is that an actual thing here? Are, are we talking that like, that extra weight, if he drops that weight down, we might see that burst in athleticism with him? Or is like 34, he's done with that? Yeah. So, I mean, I went to training camps last year. And you could tell. I mean, the guy was just – he was so much bigger than you thought he would be for mm-hmm. how tiny everybody always talks about Russell Wilson being. And, and I really do think he went into the season thinking, I'm going to be a pocket passer. So I need to bulk up because I'm going to take some hits here in the pocket. And I'm not going to be relying on my legs as much. And I remember no Sean Moreno did that one year mm-hmm. where he really bulked up because he's like, okay, I'm going to be that bell cow back. I'm going to be taking a lot of hits. I need to really bulk up to handle that kind of workload. And he just, that was the slowest and worst that he looked in the NFL. Yep. And Russell Wilson, like I've watched plenty of his time in Seattle, obviously. And the year before, you know, 2021, he did not look that slow. Like you could tell he's lost a little bit of a step, but it was not that dramatic of a drop off where it's like 300 pound guys that could, you know, run like a 5.140, which is nothing to laugh at because I don't know if I could do that right now, but like they're chasing this guy down. And so just seeing that kind of thing, I'm like, man, something has happened here. He shouldn't have lost that much athleticism in one season. Mm -hmm. And I do think, yeah, some of that bulking up really hurt him. And so I think getting back more to his more natural weight, um, I think will will make things a little bit easier. Again, I don't think he's going to be like early Russell Wilson-esque. He's never going to be that. It's just the the way that the body works. You know, I had I went to a family reunion this week and we played kickball. And the re, the moment I realized how old I am is the moment when I had an injury from kickball. Like my <laughs> hip is out from playing stupid kickball. And I'm like so mad at myself because I'm like, this is so stupid. I should not be this old at this point. Um, and I'm, I'm a little bit older than Russell Wilson. Not a whole lot, but I'm a little bit older than him. And uh, so, yeah, again, it just it, it does happen. You decline in your athleticism. But I, I think we're going to see a noticeable difference in his ability to scramble and make something out of nothing. Yeah. And he showed that he still had that ability down the stretch last season. I mean, the, the game against the Chiefs, they ran sprint option to the left hand side, ran for a 22 yard touchdown, completely untouched against the Raiders. He had a, a spin out to his left side, running to his left, throwing a, a 50 yard dot to Jerry Judy down the left-hand sideline. So he he still has athleticism. You can't make that throw and not be a good athlete. It's just it's physically not possible. You have to have at least something there. I think that when we see it, – it's going to go into something else here as well with Russell Wilson. I, I, I firmly believe in the culture change of what we're seeing with, with, uh, uh, with Sean Payton in the fold. Everyone's quiet. You're not seeing all these videos and promotions and stuff like that from Russell Wilson on his social media feed it's like radio silence coming out of Dove Valley right now. And it's literally getting back to football, getting back that baseline conditioning, getting your strength and stuff built up. Then we're going to go into the install season, which we've, what we've seen at, and at rookie minicamp and at OTAs over these last couple of weeks. Like it's getting back to the right way of playing the game, not letting your quarterback dictate what goes on in the offensive meeting room and not letting him have the say over what goes on with the offense and catering to his every want and need and understanding what this player is at this particular time 
in his life. He still has that athleticism. I firmly believe that. I firmly believe that Sean Payton is going to take the football out of his hands a little bit, reverting back to like the 2019 Russell Wilson, where we're running heavy play action, get him on the bootleg, let him scramble around behind the line of scrimmage, throw the deep shot, but we're not going to be playing in a timing-based offense. This isn't going to be what we saw with Sean Payton for years and years and years with Russell with uh, Drew Brees. It's going to be more towards the early side of Drew Brees where he was still able to move around. Like Coming back from the San Diego Chargers, he was able to move around. Drew Brees was a magician outside of the pocket back in his younger years. Then he figured out how to throw with timing, read a defense, have some anticipation, and then generate an offense from the pocket. Who does Russell Wilson look up to? Drew freaking Brees. Like he yeah. wants to be a player like Drew Brees. So if you can get that Sean Payton offense from the early 2000s, 2006 to 2009, where they got a good running game, good protection up front with an athletic mobile quarterback that can throw the ball down the field, this is going to take Russell Wilson back to that 2019 level where he played at an MVP level. I, I firmly believe that. And again, not going to knock on wood on it. I, I have firm, firm beliefs in my mind about that. Yeah. All right. We got Gary Palmer coming in with a 999 super chat. Really appreciate that, Gary. And like I said, it's always great to see you in here saying, hey, guys, it feels like we are on the upswing while the Raiders aren't looking good. Makes my day. Go Broncos. Yes, sir. Yeah. Like I said, I mean, Jimmy G, not even sure if he's going to get a play. Your, your star quarterback or your star wide receiver already talking bad about the organization. And, uh, you know, when I'm hearing that, I'm sitting there going, what? This sounds very familiar. You know, they kicked Derek Carr out just like Jay Cutler got kicked out of Denver. Brandon Marshall was the star wide receiver back then that became very upset about how things were going and pretty much worked his way out. And we're going to be talking about that guy in here, here in a little bit. And I'm not saying that was all Josh McDaniel's problem because we know Brandon Marshall has had some issues in the past. Yeah. Um, but still. Same thing now happening with the Raiders, and I'm kind of going, okay, Josh McDaniels has not changed one bit from his time here in Denver. I remember he had an interview one time with the team, and they asked him, like, hey, what'd you learn from your time in Denver? Like, what what would you change now compared to when you were there? And he's like, nothing. I'd do it all the same. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, you have no ability to, to see anything wrong in your ability. Like, it's everybody else but you. And uh, so – for me, it makes me happy because that means Raiders are going to stink. I just hope they don't stink so bad that they go get like a Caleb Williams or a May from, <laughs> from North Carolina. But but anyway, yes. Yeah, so it is nice to see the Raiders down. Um, we'll have to see about the Chiefs and the, the Chargers looking like two of the better teams in the AFC. Mm-hmm. And you're right. I think Sean Payton going to make a huge difference. I loved his time with, uh, with Jameis Winston before he got hurt. You know, I think about that of how much he changed the offense from older Drew Brees to then Jameis Winston. Mm-hmm. You know, he was getting away from the the quick hitters, the everything within 10 yards kind of thing. Like he started moving it down the field a little bit more to what he liked. And yeah. that, that's the great thing that Sean Payton brings is he knows, okay, this is what my quarterback likes. This is what my wide receivers can do. This is what I'm going to do. But we got Phil McLaughlin coming in saying, I was reading Ross Tucker's NFL writer has – Sean Payton ranked fourth in head coach power rankings. I assume Andy Reid was ahead of him, but who are the other two? Hashtag Buckham, hashtag MHH for life. So I I mean, I've seen this report. Uh, the other two were Bill Belichick mm-hmm. and Mike Tomlin. Yep. And I really have no issue with either of 
all three of those guys being ahead of of Sean Payton. Mm-hmm. Um, I I might I might have Sean Payton if 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 he'd stayed in the NFL and had as much success as he's been having. I might have him above Mike Tomlin. I think Mike Tomlin's like one of the best like players coaches of just getting the most out of the players that he has. Mm-hmm. But I'm still more I'm I'm very pro offense at this point in the NFL. Like I hate that you see these teams where and like I, I didn't mind Vic Fangio coming in for the Broncos because he has a great defensive mind. But I hate if you have a great offensive coordinator, eventually they're going to become a head coach. Yep. And then you got to start over again. You know, you think about like uh, Matt Ryan wins MVP with Kyle Shanahan. And then Kyle Shanahan leaves and their next coordinator comes in and things begin to fall apart. Mm-hmm. Like it just that's what you hate to see in the NFL. So if you have a head coach is actually the offensive mind that builds the system, you can keep this for a long time. It's a stay. And that's what you see with Andy Reid. Yeah, you're you're exactly right on that. Because how many offensive coordinators have gone on from Andy Reid's tutelage to then flop and then get fired i mean you're, you're talking eric the enemy is now in washington trying to just prove his own name essentially as the offensive coordinator for the commanders you have doug peterson who was the head coach of the philadelphia eagles there and he uh, he won a super bowl but he fell out of grace very quickly um it, honestly i think that that was kind of a quick trigger by the Eagles behalf um, Carson Wentz getting hurt and then having the the struggles that they had going after that Super Bowl season you know playing with Nick Foles and whatnot Doug Peterson probably shouldn't have been fired he's now the head coach for the Jacksonville Jaguars took them to the playoffs this last season so there's a there's a good coach off of that but then you have Matt Nagy you know Matt Nagy went off to be the head coach of the Chicago Bears came back as the quarterbacks coach this last season and still on on that staff I do believe if I, if I remember that correctly but Look at a guy like Kyle Shanahan. I mean, he's lost Mike LaFleur, Matt LaFleur. He's lost uh, Mike McDaniel to the uh, um, the Miami Dolphins this last season. All three of those guys are still head coaches in the league. But what's the one constant? The Shanahan system, the Shanahan scheme, Kyle Shanahan still being the head coach of that. I, I It's going to be interesting to see what happens with their quarterback situation. But would it behoove anybody else to like say that that offense is still going to be good because that system is – practically quarterback proof run the football well have a guy that can like just manage the offense take a deep shot off the top i mean hell mike kyle shanahan went to a damn super bowl with jimmy garoppolo who's the quarterback that started this conversation so like there's there's a lot to like if you have an offensive coordinator that's the that is the guy that becomes your head coach that's why i'm really high and excited about what's going on with this broncos team under sean payton because you have now a coaching pipeline that starts with Sean Payton and it's going to continue. And as these guys continue to move forward, the offense will remain the same. And Sean, like you said, I, I'm very big with you. I agree with you hundred percent on this, having that offensive minded head coach at the front of your, um, at, at the front of your team is a big boost for what today's NFL is like scoring points matters the most. That's all. That's it, all it matters. Keep keep up with the other team, and then figure out a way to go and, and have that last minute drive to go and score a touchdown. Andy Reid does it the best. Sean Payton's one of those guys that I have up, the utmost faith in being able to do that here in Denver. Yeah. All right, we got Naj coming in with a 1999 super chat. Really appreciate that, Naj. Always good to see your Thanks, face Naj. and your family in the picture there. Saying, mm-hmm. "Hey, brothers, appreciate you." Any updates on kicker? Sounds like no. they've just brought in a few different guys so far. Um, haven't signed anybody at this point. I don't think they're really in too big of a hurry 
to get this done. I mean, really, they have till about July to kind of get this kind of figured out and get either one or two guys into the building. So at this point, if it was another position, I'd be a lot more worried that they have to learn the playbook and mm-hmm. get used to, to different players around them. But kicker, it's one of those you can even change midseason and it's not going to be a – well, okay, it might be a big deal, but it, and sometimes it can still work out for you. So at this yeah. point, I, I haven't heard anything of you. I, I haven't, actually. Last I knew they had Brett Maher um, and then a couple of guys. There was one, I, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. He was an XFL and a CFL kicker there for a minute. Um, I, I believe he has some experience with uh, with Sean Payton as well. But I, I've heard a lot of different takes on this. And I, I want to go back to just the Broncos cutting Brandon McManus when they did. I mean, what are you saving? Two and a half million dollars on the salary cap. Um, you're losing a a leader in the locker room, but also I, I think that that's kind of why this happened. And Carl, you brought it up in our group chat. Brandon McManus was the Broncos player rep for the, for the NFL players association. He was their union representative. He was very vocal about players not showing up to OTAs and like it's, it's voluntary guys. You don't have to be there. He wasn't at OTAs. I, I don't think that the Broncos would ever put it out publicly that, yeah, he didn't show up. So we cut him because you would, then start a war with the NFLPA, but I do think that that's a big thing here. The, like I said, like I said earlier, Sean Payton is resetting the culture of this locker room. He's resetting the culture of this franchise. You're seeing it from the top down. It, even George Payton is on notice here. It's this is the Sean Payton show, as Chad likes to say on his Bridge the Gap album. In the end, this is my creation, and I'm going to do things the way that I want to. Brandon McManus is the last remaining member of the Super Bowl 50 team. He is the biggest personality, especially for a kicker in the NFL. He's a huge personality. And then he says, I'm not going to show up for OTAs and come learn the system, learn these new coaches, be with my teammates and work. I I think that that, there's some merit to that statement. And Carl, you were the one that brought it to my attention. I'm going to give you the credit on that. What do you think? Is that like a a possibility here? Oh, yeah. I mean, Sean Payton has shown – like he's going to be top dog in the building. Uh, I mean, talking about that interview between Brandon Marshall and Jerry Judy, there is one where Brandon Marshall did play for Sean Payton at one point, kind of. Mm. But I mean, he spent most of his time on the bench. It was kind of later in his career. And uh, and he said, I, I kept going up to Sean Payton and just bugging him, just saying, hey, when are you going to get me in? When are you going to put some plays for me? And Sean Payton would kind of tell him, oh, we're working on it. No big deal. And uh, he said, there was one day I, I finally, I just cornered him like, Hey, I want to play. I want to go make some plays for you. And Sean Payton just looked at him and just said, well, did the check clear? Brandon Marshall's like, what? He goes, your check. Did it clear this week? And Brandon goes, well, yeah. And he goes, well, that's good enough then. Like, I mean, it's pretty much like, right. You got your check. You're, you're not our Stark wide receiver. You have your role. I'm sorry. It's not about you. This is not the Brandon Marshall show. This is the Sean Payton show mm-hmm. and Brandon McManus. He's always kind of been a character and mm-hmm. you know, some of it's fun. And you know, when you're winning, you can have that kind of character. Yeah. And it, it's good to have that in your locker room, but th- there's always those types of guys that when a team is losing, they're not good for the locker room. Like a keep to leap. He is great in a winning organization. Oh yeah. But when things start falling apart, that guy is not going to keep his mouth shut. He's not going to be the, hey, everybody just keep working your tail off. He's going to start being the, hey, I'm I'm mad about what's going on. I'm complaining, you know, all those kind of things. And, you know, I do know that sometimes the union tells the reps, hey, go tell guys this is voluntary. 
you don't need to be there. Don't go risk injury at one of these kind of practices. Mm-hmm. And for coaches, that's not really their their thing that they want. But we got Troy coming in. Ooh, man. Getting us with a $50 super chat chat here. Ah, oh, Troy, you the Thanks, man Troy. there. Saying, hey, guys, I'm late to the party tonight and have been gone a while. What moves do you expect the Broncos to make on June 1st? Any trades, cuts, or signings? For me, I'm going to go and pull another comment really fast. But, Troy, this is definitely your conversation. And absolutely, thank you for the super chat. We definitely love and appreciate your support, man. And you've been a good supporter for us for quite some time now, even going back before the draft. So thank you again for joining us. And good to see you back. It has been a while since we've seen you around. But this one's from Dan Wilkett on Facebook saying, is there any Dalvin Cook news? Um, Obviously, it's well known to this point that the Minnesota Vikings are going to release Dalvin Cook um, with a post-June 1st designation, uh, save some money on the salary cap. This is the one that I'm really keeping my eyes on, guys. Like, honestly, even with Javante Williams out there at OTAs and participating in in, um, some position drills, I guess he was out there in seven-on-seven there for a little bit, too. But guys, we're talking about a dude that has three out of four torn ligaments in his knee and is just now getting cleared to be able to do even light running and light jogging, running some routes and whatnot. The Broncos have a darth of talent at the running back position behind Javante Williams outside of Samaj P. Ryan. Like it's Demaria Crockett and Tony Jones Jr., who's a Sean Payton guy, who's a special teams guy. He has 35 career carries. Like Dalvin Cook, if, if Dalvin Cook is available and the Broncos can figure out a way to bring him in, I am all for that move. Absolutely, 100%. Bring him in. If you can get him on a decent deal, four, five, six million dollars a season for, for like one year, bring him in, have him paired up with Samaj P. Ryan, let Javante get fully healthy. Then you have Samaj P. Ryan and Dalvin Cook, to, or uh, you have Javante Williams and Dalvin Cook to go together to round out the rest of your season. This is the one. This is the way, guys. That like I'm the Mandalorian here. This is the way. <laughs> yeah, I, I still lean towards the defense. You know, we did have um I think it was George Payton talked about that. We still have some moves in mind. And so it makes me believe that they're probably gonna be more signings than cuts at this point. I mean, you're still gonna have to make a cut to to make up for whoever you sign to get to 90. Uh the one guy I could maybe see get cut is Mike Purcell just because they did just bring in a defensive lineman that plays nose tackle. Mm-hmm. And Purcell does sound, he did have a surgery that has yep. him out of OTAs. And so maybe they can't cut him yet, but maybe he's going to have that injury se- settlement down the road. And that saves you a little bit on the, the cap as well. So that's one cut that I could see happen. I don't really see any trades because Broncos don't have a whole lot, uh, at least draft capital wise to be able to trade player wise. They've, Worked those phones, didn't get any kind of offers that they wanted. So I, I can't really see a trade at this point. But like I said, Dalvin Cook's one. I could see uh, Yannick Ngakwe as another mm-hmm. one for that edge position. I, I still think that they're going to want to add to that that group. You know, yeah. you get OTAs to see this opportunity to get an eyes on some of these guys. And I think that's one position they're going to go, oh, that's still looking pretty weak. And we've got a lot of injury history at this position. I, I think we should add somebody. So. I, like I said, I, Cook and Gakwe, I think those are the two guys that I'd really keep an eye on for, for adding to this roster. Yeah, especially if Ngakwe is willing to sign for like a veteran minimum deal. Like he's been so up and down. He's still a good player. Don't get me wrong. But if you can get him in there around the training camp area, that like like what they did with Evan Mathis back in, in 2015, bring him in for a Super Bowl run. 
you know, aging veteran that's been kind of on the downside of his career gets released is, is out there on the street. They signed him to, I I was like $1.1 million deal or something like that. I, I, I can't remember off the top of my head. So if someone can correct me, it'd be great, but you go out there and get an Ngakwe like that. That that would be a good move. Um, I, I think the Broncos missed an opportunity on Marcus Golden, though. Uh, Marcus Golden just signed with the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers last week. And he was a guy – and they, they signed him to about the deal that I would have done. Probably, I think it was like $3.2 million on a one-year deal. That would have been perfect. You know, a veteran yeah. guy that has experience with Vance Joseph, uh, a guy that has a very good injury history. Like, he's, he's very, very, very rarely hurt. He plays 15, 16 games every single season of his career. Um, and just to to be that that mentor, that to you know, the mentor to the protege, that Nick Benito type, the, the Baron Browning, the Jonathan Cooper, show those guys how to play with the proper technique in a scheme that he recognizes and understands for the last three seasons of his career. So I, I think the Broncos missed a big opportunity on that one. I want to go back to Mike Purcell really fast because they also brought in P.J. Mustafer as an undrafted free agent, the nose tackle from Penn State. What do you think of him, Carl? I haven't heard your thoughts on PJ Mustafer at all. I didn't get a chance to watch him a whole lot. Okay. So I don't have too much to, to say on him, but um, there's a couple undrafted guys that I'm I'm kind of excited. Incombe's another one for that edge position. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, I think him, Christopher Allen. So you got a couple guys that are unknowns right now that could emerge as something for the Broncos. I mean, it, it's it's a long shot, but Shaq Barrett was that way too. Like nobody thought he was going to turn into what he did. So yep. um, I think those two guys have quite a bit of talent uh, for the position. And then I wanted to get this one. Uh, Todd said, pounding the table for Frank Clark. Would you bring in the old Chiefs player? No, not a chance. Absolutely <laughs> not. Absolutely not. No, no, no. Okay. Uh, Quality pass rusher, decent in the running game, but no, I, I like I've I've not been a Frank Clark fan ever since he was traded to the to the Chiefs, and he fits that. I mean, he's one of those guys that like he's kind of a tweener ish. Like he can play with his hand in the dirt, but he's better standing up on the edge. But he doesn't have the burst and bend that you like from an edge player, and he doesn't have the strength and power to hold up the edge with his hand in the dirt playing as a five technique. Like he's one of those guys that had a couple of good seasons where he was utilized correctly and flashed so so brightly. And now has been like there's a reason why Kansas City moved off of him, and it's not just because they went out and drafted. Um, George Karloftis to be his literal replacement and then yeah. also go out and get Felix Anadike, uh, Felix Anadike Uzama, excuse me, uh, to be another replacement for him. Right. He's, he's an aging guy going to want way too much money. And he's really not that good of a football player. Like I yeah. I'd rather just go in a different direction, go cheaper. If you wanted to Yannick and Gakwe would be better for me than Frank Clark. Right. No, I, I view him as a guy that he gives you like five really good games a year, and then the rest of them he really mm-hmm. sucks. Yep. Like he's just yep. completely gone. He usually yep. does pretty darn good showing up in the playoffs. Like for some reason, all of a sudden he turns into like the guy that they paid for. And mm-hmm. you're kind of going, okay, well, maybe he's still got something left. But then, like I said, he just he doesn't have that motivation week in, week out to be great. Yep. Yep. And I, I don't think I'd like that kind of guy on my team. Like I said, he's aging, he's he's had a lot of injuries. I just can't see him being part of the future for the Broncos for sure. Yep. Uh, we got Michael coming in saying, good evening, Lance and Carl on building oh, the Broncos. Go Broncos and Buckham. Michael, always good to see you there wearing the, the Buckham shirt in your picture. 
and always good to see you on Twitter reaching out to us. And for any of you out there, we love when you guys reach out to us. Like it's not, yeah. it's not completely annoying if you want to talk about football. Uh, if you want to talk about other things, we'll have to talk about that. But uh, but we got Phil McLaughlin coming in saying, "Hey guys, I think we are stacked at tight end. So do you think Albert O will battle with Manhurts for the final position?" Uh, I would for- I would question that word stacked. Just like I think there there's a lot of guys. You've got a lot of bodies at the position and a lot of different kind of talents that you can bring to the table. And you got some good run blockers. You got some good pass catchers going out there. I don't think you have a great tight end. You know, you don't have that one guy that you sit there and say, we have to have this guy on the field. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe Greg Dulcich can become that a little bit, but his run blocking and pass blocking is might be worst on the team. Mm-hmm. Like even worse than Alberto, which is saying something. Um, Alberto, I can't really see him making this roster. Right. He's had a couple coaching staffs now that have not liked him. There's just something there that he just doesn't do well of making coaches believe in him. I don't know if that means that he struggles with the playbook and they're just going, we can't trust that you know which play you're supposed to be running, you know, which route you're supposed to go out and do. I think the guy's talented. Don't get me wrong. You know, four or five forty at the size that he is, the guy can run at least in a straight line really well. And he's big, he's tall. You, you would think like this has got to be that guy that goes out and makes you some great plays, but he just he never plays to to the level that he should be. He, mm-hmm. He's just always underachieving. And like I said, I think part of that is he just can't be trusted to be on the field. Yeah, uh, I don't disagree with anything you said there, uh, other than. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily say that Dulcich is worse of a blocker than um, Okuebunam. And the reason why I say that is because at least you, when you watch Dulcich out there and he's playing in line, he's at least showing effort. And, and that's something that you don't see with Alberto. Like he, he gets out there and he'll get in front, but he's not going to latch, like, latch on to anybody, lock on and start to drive anyone. Dulcich may have bad technique as a blocker, and you can definitely critique that 100%. And I, I do a lot but at least he's out there showing that he wants to do it. Like he's willing to stick his nose in there and go toe to toe with a defensive end. He may lose and and that's fine. You're not going to beat, you're not going to beat your man every single time. He loses more often than not, but at least he's showing that he wants to do it. I, I think that Dulcich still has a long ways to go as well, but I think that the, the upside of him as a move tight end, especially, and there's a, uh, Harold Jean has this comment here in the chat. He says that Dulcich is going to be a tight end lining up as a wide receiver this year. So don't worry about the blocks. I, I think that's, I think that's kind of accurate. I, I do think that that's probably his better role lining him up out in the slot, especially when you got a guy like Adam Troutman, who is a, a quality blocker, a guy like Chris Manhurts, who is a damn good blocker. He's practically another tackle on the field for you. Um, if you're going to run 12 personnel, you split out Greg Dulcich, you get another speed option lined up beside him. Somebody like a Jerry Judy or, or like a KJ Hamler or specifically Marvin Mims, who the Broncos drafted at what, 63rd overall this season. That's that speed tight end that can stretch the seams vertically. And then a speed wide receiver that can do the same thing right next to each other was a great formula for the Broncos this last season. We saw it with KJ Hamler and Greg Dulcich in London specifically. 
when you pair that dynamic ability to be able to have the speed and receiving ability to stretch the field, not only vertically, but also horizontally, they can work on like in contrast with each other, moving across yeah. the field on a mesh concept. There's a, there's a role for Dulcich on this team. And I think that I'm not going to say he's Jimmy Graham because he's definitely not that kind of a player, but there's a, the ability to have him go out there and be a player like that, that primary move tight end and, turn him into a, a red zone threat and make him be a very good player. Maybe not this season, but in 2024 for sure. Yeah. And, and that's something that Brandon Marshall talked about a lot is when he was talking about Sean Payton, he said that there, there's a couple of things that really stick out with his offense compared to other offenses in the NFL. He said, one of them is just how well he does running the exact same play from different formations. Mm-hmm. And so whether it's 12 personnel, 13 personnel, 11 personnel, whatever it is, he can run the exact same plays and have, you know, that's why he loves to have multiple types of players. So he can have tight ends that can go out there and be in that receiver position almost and be able to, to have a team guessing like, okay, what are they going to do out of this? Uh, I, I don't mind moving Dulcich to the slot. My, my big concern there is I think a lot of teams will key off that and say, okay, we know if Dulcich is in the game, there's a very good chance this is a pass. Mm-hmm. If he's not, if it's man hurts, that's coming into the game. We know this is probably going to be a run. Yeah. You know, so that, that's my one concern there. Cause it was kind of the same thing with Philip Lindsay. Like mm-hmm. if he was in the game, you knew he was actually running the football. Like yep. they're, they're not going to pass out of this. They're not going to have him go run a route, those kind of things. Um, so that, that's my, my one big concern there, but well, and, and, not sorry to interrupt you here, but that, that was something that Nick brings up all the time on your guys' show from last season. It was like a hundred percent of the time that Albert O was on the field after week four, it was a pass. Like they, they yeah. weren't running the football. It was a hundred percent tell. So I, I, I share your concern here. I just think that there's enough of an effort level and the ability to coach that up, especially with a guy that has done really good work with tight ends and Sean Payton. Um, to teach that it, and blocking schemes, period. Let, let's just not talk about tight ends, offensive line schemes and, and teaching the offensive line to be a cohesive unit, attaching that tight end to it. You put a, a guy like Greg Dulcich, who at least has the, the effort level that you want to see out there on the field. And I think that he can turn that around. Like I said, maybe not this year. Next year is really the breakout season. It, it takes two years for a tight end to, to break out in the right. NFL. Anyways, like that's it's the hardest position to outside of quarterback. Tight end is literally the hardest position to break out in the NFL because you have to understand the passing concepts, the run blocking concepts, and the pass blocking concepts. You have to understand pretty much everything the exact same way that a quarterback does without having to stand behind there and throw the football. You have to know everything about the playbook. It is very difficult to transition from college to the to the NFL as a tight end. Greg Dulcich right. has the ability to do so, and I think he's going to. Yeah. And you're actually asked to do actual real routes where I think a lot of times in college, they're kind of like, okay, you're big, you're fast. Let's just have you run down the field. There's not a whole lot of routes to learn at that point from the tight end. They're not worried about it as much. Um, And and you're not blocking guys like Von Miller on a regular basis in college, but we got Brent P coming in saying evening gentlemen with a, sorry, with a $20 super chat. Wanted to make sure to point that out because Brent, that is huge. Thank you so much. Evening, gentlemen. Any advice for someone who wants to start scouting next year, year's draft? Hashtag MHH for life. Lance, I think this is a question for you, bud. So the the first thing that 
I always try to do is I, I, I like to listen a lot, listen and understand from people that know even more than me. And I'm not trying to say I know more than anybody else by any stretch of the imagination. I watch a lot of football. I've, I've learned a lot, but that's the biggest thing is learn from other people, understand what people are talking about, understand the terminology and then understanding how to watch what you're hearing from other people and how it translates to watching tape. So when you hear somebody talk about how they're outside, I'm going to get technical here and this maybe turn some people off and I'm sorry, but let's talk about an offensive lineman really fast, an offensive tackle specifically. We're watching his footwork and we're watching his hand placement first and foremost. Okay. How fast and how smooth are his feet? When he kicks his foot back and then slides and kick, slide, kick, slide. And then when he punches and latches his hands on, where do those hands land? That is a very skilled and technical technique that you have to understand what you're looking at. And you can hear a lot about it, but until you see it and watch it in slow motion enough times, that like it's it's a hard process to, to learn. Hearing other people talk about it, watching other people break down tape, YouTube's a great thing. You can watch a whole bunch of people show it, and they'll like Brett Coleman's a good guy. But the, I guess the first and foremost thing is listen to everybody, listen a lot, watch a lot of football. And then understand that you're not going to understand everything right away. It's going to be a growing and learning process. I'm still learning how to watch tape correctly. Yeah. And if you want a list of understand some guys that you're, that... Like, you're going to get frustrated. Yeah. Sorry. I was, I was like, you're going to get frustrated. You're going to see something that somebody else doesn't see. And you're going to get frustrated. Like, no, I'm seeing it this way. You're not. And you're going to get frustrated you're going to have those arguments with yourself am i actually seeing it this way am i seeing something wrong you're going to have that every single time you watch a player people have their own certain opinions find your guy pound the table for him understand what you're looking at and you will be able to step your foot in and understand it's a learning process 100 a learning process every single season right and brent if you want to reach out to us um yeah. i don't know if you have twitter or not uh we can make some recommendations of people to to listen to uh, to go watch their YouTube videos where they actually break down film for you on some mm -hmm. different prospects and say, hey, this is what I'm watching with this guy. You know, th there's some great guys that, uh, you know, played college football, played quarterback, and now they're breaking down, um, you know, quarterbacks here in the NFL or in college game. And um, I mean, they do like 40 minute videos taking on like three or four games and saying, OK, this is what I'm watching for. And uh, it, it just, it's, it's amazing to watch. And like I said, just to, to go, okay, someday I hope to make it to that kind of level of understanding uh, mm -hmm. on the game. And it, it just, it gets pretty amazing. And it's, it's a fun place to get into, but like I said, there are frustrating days and it, your eyes feel like they're about to start bleeding from watching so mm -hmm. much. And you're kind of going, was it this guy that I was watching when this happened or, you know, and, um, but it is, it's a lot of fun to watch these guys and it, it that's why we talk about the draft being like our Christmas because we mm -hmm. just love that time of year and uh, getting to see, okay, where were we right? Where were we wrong? Why were we wrong? Um, do I need to change something? Was this injury? Was this mental? You know, all those things play into it. And it's just, it's, it's a crazy thing. Yeah. It, it's, I guess the biggest, the, the biggest learning curve is understanding that you're going to have a different opinion on somebody than somebody else. Like that's the one thing that I, I struggled with. Um, specifically this season, I'll give you a specific example was, uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba, the wide receiver from Ohio state who was drafted in the first round by the Seattle Seahawks. 
I was not a fan of his. And a lot of it derived from the fact that he's not an explosive athlete at the position. He doesn't have that breakaway speed. And you, you can tell he's a great route runner, good hands, good body control. You, you can see what he's doing, understanding what he's supposed to do in the play. But I notched, I, I docked him so much on his athletic testing but based on his tape that I, I was so not a fan. I had a third round grade on Jackson Smith and Jigba. He went into the, the top 20. Right. That's a learning point for me. Like, so understand that you're going to have a different opinion on somebody. It's going to go in a different way from you. Understand how to grow from that. And th- yeah. that's the hardest part of getting into scouting. Right. And you might not be wrong, actually, by the end of this. You might have been the actual right one. Yeah, when, exactly. When we, he hasn't taken it down in the NFL yet. But we got Phil McLaughlin coming back in saying, you guys think Henningsen will be a starter this year? Also, what about Jordan Jackson? Isn't he considered a first-year player? Uh, Henningsen, I don't think is going to be a starter, but I think that he's going to be a, a big-time role player in that rotation. He played a lot down the stretch. He played really well, especially against the run. Like I, I was impressed with him in the running game. Um, his ability to slip blocks and move himself into gaps is very underrated. Like he's got the tools. Um, he's got good length and he, he plays with it pretty well. I, I think that the strength issue with him getting moved off of the moved off of this spot is the one problem you really got to work with. So I don't think he's going to be a starter, but I do think he's going to be a, a guy that the Broncos are going to lean on, um, especially later in games and on, on running down specifically. I think you're going to see a lot of him this year. And I, I'm here for it too. I know Eric's a big fan of him. I was a big fan of him coming out of training camp this last season. So I, I'm here for it. Jordan Jackson, I, I don't know anything about. So I'm going to let Carl, if you got anything on Jordan Jackson, go ahead. I, I don't either. I'm not quite sure on that one. And we got another with uh, Christopher Allen. Yes, he is considered a first-year player. Yep. Um, Because he had a non-football injury, if I remember right. And so mm-hmm. it was just a redshirt season for him. It's the one way you can get a redshirt here in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Um but all right, <laughs> I wanted to get to a couple things about this this interview with Jerry Judy. You know, we've been talking about all these other things. We haven't really even got to our, our main topic a whole lot here, but a um, couple things that he brought up. One, he said that Patrick Sertan is the best cornerback that he's ever gone against. And there's probably mm-hmm. nobody that's ever gone against Patrick Sertan as much as Jerry Judy because he went against him in college and practices. Now with the Broncos, goes against him in practices. And, and I understand, like, you're going to hype up your own guy. But he had a few great things to say about Patrick Sertan that just really stuck out to me. Uh, He talked about just even if you beat him, you don't really beat him. Like the the sense of even if you catch the football, he's going to be right there. You're not going to have these great yards after catch kind of plays with him because he's just he's always going to be right there in your pocket. And just talked about really just how intelligent he is as a player, you know, that he just he understands exactly what you're going to do. You know, other cornerbacks, Jerry Judy talked about where he could kind of fake a guy out. He could figure out, okay, this is what he likes to do. I'm going to do this to counter that. He goes, I can't do that to Patrick Sertan. There's no counter because he can do it all. And I, I guess, do you, do you see that when you're watching Patrick, Patrick Sertan? The the one time, and I'm going to roast him here really fast. The one time that I, I saw that he wasn't able to actually identify what was going on was the game-winning touchdown pass that he allowed to Devontae Adams on the – was that a stick nod or what the hell route was that? It was like a crossing route that he turned into a, like a corner route. It was super weird. Um, but other, other than that, yes, like this dude, you're, you're talking, he's so patient. 
And I, I guess that that was the one thing that was more surprising to me that like after watching him at Alabama, you saw that there was like a sense of urgency with him at Alabama and he seemed to guess wrong sometimes. And he didn't have the lower half fluidity that you wanted to see and change a direction ability. So there were times where you could see him kind of get left behind, but he has such great length and such great acceleration and, and speed that it never seemed like he was actually getting beat. So that was the one big question I had coming out. And then you realize that his footwork is so smooth and his football IQ is so high that even though he doesn't have that lower half fluidity you like to see, he knows exactly what you're going to do when you're going to break. I may be a step late, but I can still reach into that hip pocket. I can still get my hand out in front and break up the pass. This dude is incredible. Like, I, I don't want to compare anybody to a Hall of Famer, but he reminds me of Champ Bailey. You don't see a guy with that kind of length and speed and just the ability to understand exactly what's going on around him. But that's what Pat Sertan does. He's such a damn good football player. And it doesn't surprise me that Jerry Judy would say he's the best he's ever gone against because he spent three seasons with him at Alabama. Yeah. Like, it's incredible. This dude's incredible. Absolutely amazing. He's a, the top three cornerback, and he's not number three. <laughs> and I'd argue he's not number two either. Yeah. But uh, the, the other le- part that I wanted to get to is they did get a chance since both of them have played with Russell Wilson. Mm-hmm. The, it was kind of amazing to hear because we've heard a lot of ex Russell Wilson teammates really kind of bash him. Mm-hmm. You know, even KJ Wright coming out saying it might be the worst trade in NFL history for the, on the Broncos side and best trade for in NFL history on the Seattle side. Um, but Marshall and Judy, both of them, seem like they're actually two of the biggest Russell Wilson fans in the NFL. Yeah. And both of them talked about like, they don't get all this crap that's kind of being thrown at him. which to me, I'm kind of going, okay, he didn't play great. He did a lot of interviews and uh, he kind of hyped himself up and put out his brand and all those kind of things. So, uh, you know, a little bit of, he brought it on himself, but they both said, one thing that you cannot argue with is Russell Wilson is the hardest working guy. You know, they said every day he's in the building at 5 a.m. Even in the off season, he's waking up at 4.30 in the morning. He's working out by 5 a.m. And, you know, he's first one in. He's truly the last one out. And they said, you really can't argue with that side of it. Like, he he loves football. He does his work. And I, I guess when I'm looking at this off season, and like you said earlier, Russell Wilson has actually been kind of quiet on social media. And it seems like he's very locked in. Uh, do you think we're going to have quite as many problems as we had last year where there's a lot of information coming out saying teammates hate Russell Wilson and, you know, they're, they're, they're tired of this whole thing that he's doing. Do you kind of see it where we're going to see a little bit less of that, where teammates are going to really be stepping up for him? Or is it going to still be some leaks of things coming out like that? Well, I think the biggest thing, Carl, is that I it may not even be the teammates that you need to hear from. It's Russell Wilson, and you don't need to hear from him. And I think that he was – you're seeing it already. He had the one picture that Jake heaps, his quarterback coach took with him in like April or something like that. Other than that's literally pretty much radio silence from him. This dude is humbled. He's very humbled right now. I think that he saw the opportunity to go jet setting last season. It was the storyline. 
because he was the big quarterback that got traded last year. You know, it was all about Aaron Rodgers. And then all of a sudden it's not Aaron Rodgers because Aaron Rodgers goes back to Green Bay. And now it's Nathaniel Hackett and Russell Wilson. And we're going to go out and do all these great things. And it was a super huge social media hype up festival for months out of Dove Valley. And then it fell flat on its face. And Russell Wilson had easily the worst season he's ever had in his entire career. You're talking about one of the hardest workers that is now pissed off, humbled, and embarrassed. I think there's an embarrassment factor in here. He's embarrassed by what happened with his Denver team this last season, and it's going to translate into something different. And I think you are going to see a lot of his teammates. I mean, obviously Jerry Judy just did. Um, multiple other teammates are like, hey, guys, like back off a little bit. It's been it, – who was it that was talking about him? It was Justin Simmons the other day. I, I can't remember. Uh there's been multiple other people like, hey, like, yeah, it was bad last season, but it wasn't all Russell's fault. Like, he's still a good teammate. He's still a good dude. You guys got to see the fake side of Russell Wilson where he's out trying to be the social media guy, but you don't understand what this guy is capable of behind the scenes. And with Sean Payton in the fold and now a, a motivated and embarrassed and humbled Russell Wilson, I'm very curious to see how this looks. I, again, I'm not going to knock on wood. I'm going to go back to my, my reference, my mighty, mighty boss tones reference. I'm not going to knock on wood. I think you're going to see a big turnaround from Russell Wilson this year. He's going to be a top 10 quarterback. All right, there we go. Well, guys, it looks like we're almost here at the, the one hour mark for us. Uh, man, that time flew by. And like I said, we, <laughs> we got into all these other side conversations, but Hey, I appreciate all the, the chats and questions that you guys brought into to everything that we have here. Uh, just remember that this is Building the Broncos. You can follow us on Twitter at BTB Football Pod. Uh, you can also follow the, the main Twitter account at Mile High Huddle. You can also head over to MHHmerch.com. This is where you can get the, the hats that we're wearing here, some of the shirts that you've seen, uh, so many things out there. You can head on over to Facebook, join up with our Mile High Pod uh, Facebook page, so then you can get tuned in to all the different times that we come on live to make sure you guys don't miss any kind of shows. And also head over to Apple Podcasts and make sure you guys leave us a five-star review if we've earned it for a chance to win some, some swag each month. Each month. Um, I promise we go read those. Uh, you know, There's been things that I've worked on from those comments. And so we really, really appreciate when you guys do that for us and it helps us to get out there even more. Make sure you guys are also out there um, subscribing, liking, and sharing everything for us. It, it really does help. You know, We appreciate the, the monetary giving. But even more, we appreciate the subscribing, liking, and sharing because it really does get us out there. And, and it's just always great to, to run into new people on this show, be able to reach out and have a bigger community. So like I said, just appreciate everyone that's coming in here that's been given uh, as given a super chat. I'm trying to think of all that we've had here today. I think so we, we – and we, we just had Naj a new one. I was going to say, Kenny just jumped in here saying, good evening, fellows, with a $2 super chat. Sorry to cut you off there. Oh. Uh, yeah, Kenny Abeta jumping in. Thanks, Kenny. Uh, we've got like what Naj, we got Troy, uh, GLP, Gary Leeds Palmer was in the house. Michael Ronquillo over on Facebook again, jumping in saying, Great show tonight, Lance and Carl. I'm building the Broncos. Go Broncos and Buckham. I, I know we missed a bunch of them, but that's that's at least a handful of everybody that joined in. So sorry to cut you off, man. Yeah, no, we got Brent as well. Um, so uh, again, thank you all. If I missed your name, I'm so sorry, but we really appreciate each and every one of you that have come in here tonight. And we just love, especially in this time of the season, you know, where I know we're 100 and what, 102, 104 days away from the season. 
you know, it, it kind of it is kind of the slow season, but it's still just great to get to talk some Bronco football. And it makes the time go by a lot faster until we can get to the season. So, again, appreciate each and every one of you. Thanks for tuning in. And as Nick always likes to say, uh, choose compassion, choose kindness. And we will see you guys all next week. Go Thanks, Broncos. Guys. And it makes the time go by a lot faster until we can get to the season. So, again, appreciate each and every one of you. Thanks for tuning in. And as Nick always likes to say, uh, choose compassion, choose kindness. And we will see you guys all next week. Go Broncos. Thanks, guys.